Welcome to Brain Ignition Radio. Here I share with you all of the knowledge and resources I've gained as it relates to nutrition, exercise, and brain health. By sharing these interesting case studies, in-depth discussions, and research, I hope that we can learn together and improve our current health and the health of future generations. I'm your host, Chet Binning, and I thank you for tuning in. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Brain Ignition Radio. I have a special topic for you today. We're going to talk about omega-3. Most people, when they think of omega-3, they probably immediately revert to thinking about fish oil. Omega-3 is really so much more than fish oil. In fact, we're hardly even going to talk about fish oil today. So we're, we're really going to focus on mainly diet and how omega-3 affects your overall health. So today, in under 30 minutes, you're going to learn about the rapid, or I should say the dramatic change in our omega-6 to 3 ratio in the last 100 years. And it has definitely not changed for the better. It's gone the other way. This has been reflected in things like lower omega-3 in our fat tissue and even higher omega-6 in human breast milk now on average so that's another really bad thing very problematic we'll talk about omega-3 and and brain health and how it affects things like depression we'll talk about where we get omega-3 in diet but also how foods like chicken or even nuts and seeds these foods that we would think are are healthy options can in fact in some instances be worsening our omega-3 status and many other things but for starters i want to show you guys a kind of a timely study i guess so remember if, if you're listening to the audio on your podcast app that's wicked you're going to catch all the details but if you do want the extra graphics and want to see all the studies that I show along the way and, and want the visual visuals, just check this out on YouTube because I post everything there as well. So what I want to show you first is a study that was recently done and it looked at how our omega-3 levels affect our risk for COVID. So more specifically actually outcome of COVID or even fatality. So what they did in this study was they looked at 100 participants or 100 patients, pardon me, and they looked at their red blood cell omega-3 levels. So this is pretty common, um, pretty common measurement used in, in research studies is to look at omega-3 in red blood cells. This is a, a metric commonly used. So they wanted to find out how omega-3 levels, if anything, affected the outcome from having COVID-19. So out of 100 patients, what they found was that having omega-3, sorry, having higher omega-3 reduced the risk of death by 75%. So that's a really interesting finding. A lot of people might find this surprising. If you know a little bit about omega-3 and how important it is, this really isn't surprising at all. So let's focus on that a little bit now. So omega-3 
above all else, it's it's really important for optimizing inflammation in the body and the brain. I say optimizing because you want a certain amount of inflammation. Remember that. We hear high inflammation, you know, high inflammation is bad. You want to lower it. And yeah, definitely high inflammation is a really bad thing. But you want some inflammation, right? You having having low having too low inflammation is a, is an issue. That's how you mount a immune response or a defense against pathogens, bacteria, virus. Inflammation offers that initial signal, really. So these pathogens invade your body, and then inflammation is the the signal or the trigger that really mobilizes your immune system. So that it can cope with this, whatever it is, this sickness or this illness. So you want some inflammation. But the point is, an optimal level of inflammation is ideal. If you have too high of inflammation, well then we get problems like overactivation of the immune system and we know that that's a terrible thing. Now the other thing to remember with omega-3 is that it's in balance with omega-6. So this is really important. <laughs> Benson's just um, in here laying on my feet now. You probably can't see him. He's a bit of a distraction. So the six to three ratio is what's critical. So for optimal health, we wanna be at about a one to one or maybe up to a four to one ratio of six to three. But this is one of the things that has dramatically changed since about 1909. That's what I'm going to show you next. But know that to be one-to-one, four-to-one, this is where we want to be. That means we have that optimal inflammatory response. It's also good for our immune system, brain function. It lowers our risk for disease. It's good for building muscle. It's good for body composition, brain health, power, strength. I mean, absolutely everything. If it's too high on the other hand, then we're in this constant state of low-grade inflammation and that's a terrible thing. That's what dramatically increases our risk for nearly every chronic illness. From a practical sense, it could do things like um, we get sick more often, maybe we have joint pain, we have brain fog, we just feel overall not well. And, and this is how we would experience this. And so why I bring this up is because there's been research showing that in the last 100 years, the average level of omega-6 to 3, or that ratio, has dramatically shifted. So in about 1909, we were around um, anywhere from 1 to 1 to 4 to 1, so that optimal range. Nowadays, research shows that we're 20 to 1, 30 to 1, or in some cases, even higher. So this is really not a good thing at all. And that's what this study here, sorry, I pulled the wrong one up, is showing. So this is called Changes in Consumption of Omega-3 and Omega-6 Fatty Acids in the United States during the 20th century. So yes, this is in the United States. If you're listening, um, probably a lot of my listeners are in Canada, but I can guarantee you that we see the same thing in Canada. And in fact, there's been similar studies in Canada. And this has to do with dietary trends. So this doesn't, this doesn't necessarily mean that we're consuming less omega-3, but it's our increased consumption of omega-6 that's the big problem here. So remember, 
our ratio has gone from about four to one or one to one, somewhere in between there, to now about 20 to one or 30 to one. What this does, like I mentioned, is it increases our risk for cardiovascular disease, cancers, it decreases brain function, it increases our risk for dementia and Alzheimer's disease, it decreases things like insulin sensitivity, it negatively affects our hormones. The list goes on and on here. This is really an important thing. Uh, omega ratio is, is really what, I mean, one of those things that kind of makes humans humans. So this study here, this really identifies why this ratio has changed. Because you're probably wondering, all right, well, why, why has our ratio changed so much? You know, what's the problem? Are we consuming less fish? Are we not taking enough fish oil? Well, if you're watching, you can see the conclusion here, really. And it's that the estimated per capita consumption of soybean oil has increased by over 1,000 fold from 1909 to 1999. So that is enormous. So this tells us that the consumption of soybean oil and other vegetable oils, but particularly soybean oil, has just gone through the roof in the past 100 years. And you can also see this in these graphs here that I'm showing if you're watching. So this shows that soybean oil, again, has massively increased. Other oils have as well, like canola, peanut oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil. So this is the major source of omega-6. These have, these have increased dramatically in the past 100 years. And this is what's giving us all of this omega-6 which is driving down our omega-3. And that really is the key right there because you can, you can not, <clears throat> or you can maintain your omega-3 intake, but if you start consuming more omega-6, that's gonna lower your omega-3. So in other words, Omega-3 intake is not the only thing that affects your omega-3. And so this is why this is why people maybe think they're they're doing the right thing, but by consuming more of these, it it really is what's what's causing this problem. So in the beginning, I mentioned things like chicken, nuts and seeds. And so another thing that this particular study showed. It's really interesting. They looked at changes in dietary patterns in the past roughly 100 years. And you can see that one of the things that has also really increased in consumption is actually poultry, so chicken. This isn't really surprising either because we've been told to steer away from those red meats and instead prioritize these, these lean white meats like chicken and turkey. And I'm going to show you one potential problem with that. It's funny, we think we're making a healthy decision here. And in some instances, for some people it can be, but what's the chicken eating? What, what, how much omega-3, how much omega-6 is that chicken giving us? So this is the Canadian chicken farmers um, resource here. So it just gives some general information on how chickens are, are fed and raised and that type of thing. So I wanna see what's in chicken feed because as you guys probably know, what your if you're eating animals, what that animal consumes, but I mean this goes for plants too, right? How they're how they're grown has a huge impact on the quality. But for animals, 
what they consume has an enormous impact on the eventual quality and so ultimately of what you're consuming. And so we can see here that the main ingredient of all chicken feed, so over 80% of chicken feed, is grains and grain byproducts, protein producing seeds, and meal made from them such as canola or soybean meal. So what this tells us is that chickens, the huge majority of their diet, 85% is this omega-6. And so when we consume this chicken, this poultry, this white meat that we think is, is really a, a healthy alternative, this could be worsening our omega-6 status. So this could be increasing our omega-6 and driving down our omega-3. In other words, contributing to that chronic low-grade inflammation. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that something like chicken breast, there's not a lot of fat on that, right? And so something like that, you don't really have to be concerned with this because omega-3 is a fat. Therefore, a lean chicken breast that has no fat on it, well, it's, it's not giving you really any omega-6 or omega-3. And so less of an issue with the leaner cuts, perhaps more of an issue with you know the skin and the thighs and, and whole chickens and all this. Nonetheless, though, of course, with anything, even if it is just the lean breast, you still want to be concerned with what they're eating. So I just mentioned that as that's important. So I said that you can actually really have a big impact on your omega-3 without adjusting your omega-3 intake. That's exactly what this study shows here. So this is just to show really the enormous impact that you can have. So this study is called Dietary Omega-6 lowering increases bioavailability of omega-3 in human plasma lipid pools. Excuse me. So, I mean, the title kind of speaks for itself, right? But what they did was they had a couple different groups. They compared a um, couple different groups in this randomized trial. They had one group who was consuming a, um, a, a low omega-6 diet. The other group was consuming low omega-6 but also high omega-3 and then they had a control group and so what they found was that the first part of that conclusion was that just lowering omega-6 intake is able to increase omega-3 so that's really important and then not surprisingly they found that lowering omega-6 while also increasing your omega-3 is a better way to support your omega-3 and so that's, I think that first part is a, is a big shocker to people. It's the omega-6. So maybe another thing you're wondering is, well, I don't, you know, I don't buy soybean, I don't buy canola and, and so on and so forth, so I don't really have to worry about this. Well, the majority of people are consuming this, I guarantee it, on a daily basis without even knowing. Next time you go to the grocery store, walk down those inside aisles Look at the box or the package of granola bars, chips, crackers, even things like frozen vegetables, frozen meals, chicken fingers. The list goes on. Look at the ingredients in a, in a packaged or boxed or bagged food. I guarantee that on 90% of those, you're going to see one of these ingredients. You're going to see soybean. You're going to see canola. You're going to see, or it might just say vegetable oil. The point is, 
we're getting these from so many different sources that even if you limit your fast food, even if you limit some restaurant food, we're still getting a ton of this omega-6 from these oils. And so you really have to be picky about limiting these. It's not that difficult, to be honest. For the most part, you just stick to the outside, right? I'm going to get to the nuts and seeds story in an issue because I think that's something that um, doesn't get a lot of mention. But I want to show you some really interesting statistics first that I actually forgot to show you in the beginning about how omega-3 affects mental health and depression. So these were some numbers that I showed to the RCMP recently, actually. I, I gave a presentation for them as part of Bell Let's Talk Day. Omega-3 was one of those things I covered. And so these are some statistics from an example review paper. But again, these are, these are very well known, guys. There's so many different studies looking at how omega-3 affects, obviously, brain health, but also mental health and specifically depression. So we see that individuals with depression have lower levels of omega-3 fatty acids and, of course, greater inflammation. Clinical studies show a therapeutic benefit of supplemental magnesium, or sorry, supplemental omega-3, only when the dose is sufficient. So this is a big thing. I don't want to get too into fish oil now, uh, right now, but a problem we see on the market and in studies is that the dose is way too low. And with this, unfortunately, sometimes we see these studies in the media. So perhaps there's a study that finds, you know, no effect of omega-3 on depression. Unfortunately, oftentimes it seems like those are the ones that the media grabs a hold of and then slaps that on the headline. See, fish oil has no effect. But if you actually dig into that study and read the dose or sometimes even read the type, A, maybe they're using a shitty kind of fish oil that isn't very well absorbed and or B, the dose was probably just way too low. Dietary sources of omega-3 include pastured egg yolks, small wild-caught fish like salmon, mackerel, sardines. Cod liver is the highest dietary source I've seen. Grass-fed red meat. This is an interesting one. We're going to dig into this a little bit more in a couple minutes, but the omega-6 to 3 ratio of grass-fed red meat is superior to that of conventional red meat. And then some plant sources like hemp seeds or chia. This is really interesting point as well. And, and we're going to jump to that right now. Still getting the hang of pulling up the right study at the right time, clearly. So this snippet here, this is actually taken from, this was an ebook I actually wrote, Lockdown Round 1, if you were in Ontario. So this was about different nutrients that can really optimize our ability to build muscle. Omega-3 is in there. That's one that a lot of people don't appreciate. But, and, and this is another thing we didn't really get into in the beginning, because I want to keep these a little bit shorter, but... Omega-3, we see it in EPA and DHA, right? Those are the two major forms. There's also DPA, but we'll focus on DHA and EPA. EPA is, is mainly what um, affects that inflammatory status, so what lowers inflammation. 
DHA is really important for cell membrane health throughout your body and brain. What that means is that 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 fatty layer that surrounds every single one of your cells is really supported by DHA. What that means is it's a lot more sensitive and and better able to handle incoming signals from other cells. One of those signals is insulin and, and different muscle building signals. And so this is why research shows that omega-3 supplementation, especially in those who are deficient, can improve our ability to build muscle, especially in the older populations, because it, it increases the sensitivity of our muscle cells to those incoming quote-unquote muscle building signals. So it's really cool. Anyways, I digress. What I wanna show you here is these are the highest sources of omega-3. So I mentioned a few of these, cod liver, you know, salmon, egg yolk, grass-fed beef. So interestingly, some research shows that the ratio for grass-fed beef is about 1.53 versus conventional or grain-fed is 7.65. So this one's interesting, right? Even though grass-fed beef isn't necessarily a good source of omega-3 or a high source it's low in omega-6 which makes it a good source for optimizing your 6 to 3 ratio so this is a perfect example of it's not always about eating high omega-3 sometimes it's about eating low omega-6 that's why i want to show you the nuts and seeds guys so on this list you're seeing things like Chia, flax, lentils, walnuts, pecans, pistachios, sesame seeds, poppy seed, pumpkin seeds, cashews, almonds, and the list goes on. If you can't see these ratios, they range anywhere from chia and flax actually have a pretty favorable omega-6 to 3 ratio. So 3 to 1 or 4 to 1, but that may not be entirely accurate. I'll tell you why in a moment. But the rest of these, look at the range of these. As low as, you know, three or four, but some of these are about 100 to one or higher. So really high omega-6 compared to omega-3. That's okay every once in a while, but now I want you to think for a second. How often do we consume these nuts and seeds? We eat them from a bag as a trail mix or maybe on their own. We eat them in bars. We eat them in different snacks. We eat them as nut butters. There's so many different examples of these now that we can get. And oftentimes they're, they're marketed as health foods, right? Because certainly in, in some instances they can be. But these are, I think these are just hugely overconsumed now. And this is really one of the other things that we forget about that's probably contributing to that 6-3 ratio. And so the key takeaway here is we want to limit the consumption of these. I would never, you know, tell anyone unless they have some type of allergy to completely remove these. I don't think that's necessary. But we need to limit these. Step one would be limiting just being ruthless about limiting all those vegetable and seed oils. Step two would be the nuts and seeds. Sometimes there's some overlap there that, that these bars are, are processed and whatnot, but you want to focus on the oils and then you want to think about things like 
your chicken versus, you know, grass-fed beef and pastured eggs, and then think about these nuts and seeds. So in closing, I just want to show you guys a, a bit more of a, a nuanced study, really, but one of the most interesting ones, in my opinion. So this is called the effect of omega-3 DHA supplementation on gestational length. I forgot to tease you with this one in the beginning. And this is a randomized trial of supplementation. So this is really cool. So they looked at how omega-3, our omega-3 levels, or more specifically, I should say, how omega-3 levels in the mother affect or in the pregnant mother affect gestational length of that infant really interesting stuff i'm just going to read you the conclusion here gestational length was significantly increased by four to 4.5 days and women supplemented with 600 milligrams dha per day or provided with nutrition education on increasing omega-3 really cool is that for each one percent increase in red blood cell DHA, so omega-3, this increased gestational length by 1.6 days. So such a cool finding, I think, that higher omega-3, I mean, in essence, what it's doing here is it's helping to prevent premature birth, right? It's increasing the gestational length. I think this is really cool. Also cool when you can think or when you consider that the highest source of omega-3 in diet, other than cod liver, even higher than that, breast milk, okay? So breast milk is the highest source of DHA. What I mentioned in the beginning is that the omega-6 content now found in breast milk is higher than ever. Not a good thing, right? Because the highest source of omega-3 is supposed to be that milk because it literally builds it literally builds the brain and nervous system of that infant. So we're seeing those levels lower, not a good thing, direct effect or consequence, if you will, of these diet and lifestyle changes. So that's all for today. Um, thanks again, guys, for tuning in. I hope you dug that one. Hope you're digging these in general. Remember to um, give me a review a rating, some feedback, whatever, if you like this or if you have suggestions, that really helps get this out there to more people. But also, if you have some specific topics or suggestions or anything, my contact information is always in the show notes, so check that out. Otherwise, I thank you guys for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode.